0: If you could ask for anything you wanted, you know, if you got, you got a wish or you got, you know, got your three wishes from the genie like we hear in the jokes, what would you ask for? The, the answer to that question actually really reveals a lot about a person and what's truly important to them, what's truly dear and close to their hearts, it's one of the reasons we like, I think, those those genie jokes um, because they're kind of a parody on the things that people ask for. More often than not, of course, we ask for uh, material things, don't we, for riches and wealth and, uh, you know, mansions and those kind of things. It reminds me of the joke about the person who, who found a lamp and rubbed it. And sure enough, out pops the genie and the genie says, you've got three wishes. And the person says, OK, well, my first wish is I wish that there weren't any lawyers in the world at all, that all the lawyers in the world would just be removed. And the genie says, okay, done. And by the way, you don't have any wishes left. And the person says, what do you mean? I got three wishes. I thought I had two left. And he goes, well, sue me. (laughs) But that question, what would you ask for if you could ask for anything is is such an important question in our life. and as we read this passage today from, from the seventh uh, chapter of Matthew's gospel, we're really sort of getting at this question of, of what we would ask for and what would God give us. And as we look at this, uh, this passage here on the surface of it, as we read this, you might question if what Jesus says is true. Listen again to verses 7 and 8 of chapter 7 here. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open." Now I bet there have been many times that you've prayed and asked God for something and you've not received it. How many times have you looked for something and you've not found it? Or prayed a door in your life would be opened, such as a new job opportunity or a new home, and it hasn't happened. We've all felt disappointed at God because we didn't receive what we asked for. We didn't find what we were looking for, and that door remained closed. Perhaps you're still in a place of bitterness towards God. Perhaps you're questioning his goodness, or if he even exists at all, because he seems silent in the face of your requests. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I'm sure there are plenty of you listening right now who are thinking, yeah, I don't think so. So what what does Jesus mean here? Well, he, he gives us three clear imperatives. Ask, seek and knock. Ask, seek and knock. And the first thing to note is that they are, they're all, these are all in the present tense. These are present tense imperatives. And what that really means is, is that we are to be persistent in these things. It's why I like the New Living Translation here, because it, it translates it, we are to keep on asking, we are to keep on seeking, and we are to keep on knocking. And to understand better what Jesus is talking about here, I want to frame what he is saying in a negative Light, and what I mean by that is we have to look at what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying, Ask for anything, and it will be given to you. Jesus is not saying, Seek anything, and you will find it. And He's not saying, Knock on any door, and it will be opened. That's not what Jesus is saying. You know, if anything, we could take it a step further and say the following Ask for the wrong thing, and you will not be given to you. Seek the wrong thing. And you will not find it. Knock on the wrong door and it will not be opened. And ironically, when we look at it like that, do you see how often God does not answer our prayers and give us the desires of our heart because he's actually protecting us? Uh, Tim Keller, a a pastor and author, he said the following, quote, sometimes the best way for God to answer our prayers is not to answer them. You know, this reminds me of... um, when I was about uh, 11 years old and um, I was uh, uh, the UK uh, education system a little bit different to here in the US where we, we basically have what we call primary school and secondary school and secondary school is really the sort of equivalent of of high school um, here in the US but we enter into secondary school at age 11 and so I was around 10 or 11 and um, my brother who's seven years older than me he was at a um, uh, a, a really quite prestigious school um, that he'd managed to be able to go to because my grandparents had helped uh, helped out with that. And I wanted to go to this school too because I really looked up to my brother and you know he was at this school and I, I just wanted to go to this prestigious school as well. And so uh, to, to get in you had to take an entrance exam. Uh, And so I'd been taking extra tuition outside of school to prepare for this exam. And I was just, you know, even at that young age, I was asking God, please, please let me get into this school. And um, I took the entrance exam and and I failed. Uh, And not only did I fail, apparently, according to the teachers who spoke to my parents, I I did really bad, really bad. And I was, you know, as a a young kid, I was just really, really upset and devastated by this because... um, it meant I wasn't going to be able to go to this school, but as a result of that, as a result of God not answering that prayer that I had pleaded with Him for it, I ended up going to a um, a public school that had a fantastic music program, and it was largely through being at that school that my whole passion for music t- took on a new level. It was what uh, brought me to the U.S. to go to Berklee College of Music. That's where I went, met Sarah, my wife. Um, And through Sarah, we started going to a church where our faith really became alive. And it was through that that I got interested in going into seminary and becoming a minister. And here I am today, largely because I didn't get that prayer answered when I was uh, 10 or 11 years old. And sometimes we we have to realize we have to trust God sometimes, even when we don't understand. And so when we look back at verses 7 and 8 here, they don't mean that you will be given whatever you ask for. As we know, life doesn't reflect that, right? No, what it means is that God will give you what he deems best. You see, God ultimately knows what is best for us. We actually don't always know what is best for ourselves. We're, we're actually we're kind of like kids when it comes to our wisdom versus God's wisdom. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day when um, <clears throat> I was talking with my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Dove. And she wanted to watch some TV. And, um, you know, trying to be a good parent, we're trying to limit uh, how much screen time she has in front of the TV. And so, you know, I said, no, we, you know, you're not watching TV right now. We're, we're going to do something else. We're going to play a game. And, and she was just adamant. She was begging with me, please, please, Daddy, please. Can I watch a show, please? And I'm saying, no. And she's, please, Daddy. You know, and, <laughs> you know, she sure, sure enough, she, uh, had a little fit because she didn't get her way because in that moment all that she wanted was Peppa Pig. She wanted to watch Peppa Pig. And she could not understand why me, meanie old daddy, was not letting her watch the show. And sometimes we as adults we have to be careful that, you know, we think we want peppa pig, but actually it's not what is the best for us. And we have to trust God that He ultimately knows what is best for us. So I know what many of you might be thinking right, right now is, well, how are we supposed to know what to ask for then? How are we supposed to know what to be looking for and how do we know which which door to knock on? Well, the first thing we have to remember is that more often than not, the things that we tend to ask for are usually material things. You know, we want more money, we want a better job, we want things to go a certain way in a relationship, and. None of those things are wrong in of themselves and we should present our request before God because he is a good and loving father. But remember what Jesus tells us just one chapter back in chapter 6 of, of Matthew, uh, verse 32. He tells us that the pagans run after such things and that our father in heaven already knows that we need these things. Okay, we And we have to remember, this is all part of, of one big discourse by Jesus, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is not saying we shouldn't ask for those things, the, the material and the practical necessities of life. But he's saying, I've got something of far more worth to give you if you'll only ask, if you'll only seek, and if you'll only knock. And what is that? That's me. Jesus is saying, I am the most precious thing I can give you. Jesus is saying your expectations of what God wants to give you are too low. You're not thinking high enough. You, you, you lack imagination. Your requests aren't grand enough. You're thinking too small. And Jesus makes the point in verse 9 and 10 that even flawed, imperfect parents try to give good gifts to their children and that they're not going to give them a stone for a loaf of bread or a snake for a fish. And so in verse 11, he says, if you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, this, this verse is a pivotal verse in this passage. And there are two very important points that I want to draw out here. Firstly, number one, notice how Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Jesus doesn't say, If we then, who are evil. You see the difference there? Jesus is not sinful like the rest of us. And this sentence highlights that, that Jesus is sinless and perfect even in his humanity. The second point is that God the Father is for us. He's for us. It's his desire to give us good gifts. God is not mad at you. He's not disappointed at you or angry and wanting to punish you. He's not vindictive or cruel or petty. These are all distortions and lies about who God is. He's excited to give you good gifts. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Knowing what to ask for, though, is key. And for example, asking, say, uh, Dear Lord, would you please give me a red Ferrari? I promise to use it to deliver food to the poor. Eh, Probably not what Jesus had in mind when he said, Ask and you shall receive. But what about if you ask, Lord, I want more of you in my life. I want to know you more deeply and follow your ways more faithfully. Now you will seek and find. But here's the thing, don't do it half-heartedly. Don't half-heart it. Don't half-heart your faith. Many of us only kind of seek God. You know, ah, maybe two or three days out of seven, we'll try a little, hey God, are you there? Maybe I'll open my Bible once in a while. Maybe I'll, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do five minutes of prayer. But listen to what Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me, with all your heart. How many of us are really seeking God with all our heart? Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Those who seek me diligently, seek God diligently and with all your heart and you will find him. But if you're half-hearting it, you can expect half-hearted results. When you seek God diligently and with all your heart, the door is opened to the Father's good gifts. So, so what are the Father's good gifts? I mentioned earlier that we often ask for material things and that essentially our expectations, our desires are too low. Now God has something much better for us. Something that lasts forever forever rather than something that will fade and rot and decay listen to second corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 paul writes so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal god doesn't want to give you something That is is going to spoil and fade over time. Those things are temporary. And with time they will become useless and worthless. And if we still have any doubt about what kind of gifts God desires to give us. Then listen to the parallel account of this in Luke's gospel. So we're reading from uh, Matthew's gospel right now. But the same story is also found in Luke's gospel in chapter 11. And in verse 13, it reads, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the most precious thing God can give you. Himself. It beats any red Ferrari by a long shot. So do do you see what Jesus has been saying all along? What he's really been saying is, ask for me. And you will receive seek me and you will receive knock on my door and I will open it. God is the greatest gift. He can give any of us because there is nothing greater and of more worth than God himself. I mean, think about it. If God were to give you anything less than himself, he would be giving you second best. And we don't have a God of second best because God gives you his best. Jesus then goes on to tell us that we are to give our best to others. And that's why he ends in verse 12 with, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is talking about here is, is uh, famously known as the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, you know, some form of the golden rule has existed for a long time, even before Jesus' time, but Jesus gives it a special twist. You see, in most other religions and and, and systems, it's often put in the negative form, all right? So sometimes people call it the, the, the silver rule because often it's presented like this, do not do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So do you see the difference there? There's a subtle but very important difference Um, when it's in the negative like this, do not do to others what you don't want them to do to you, you can satisfy this rule by doing nothing. You don't have to do anything to follow that rule. But with the golden rule, as Jesus lays it out, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, it requires us to take action. It It requires us to do something and not just to sit idly by. Jesus is saying, give people the best of you. Treat them with love, with respect, with dignity, with humility. So as we conclude here, there's there's four things I want you to take away uh, from this message today. And this firstly is number one, God doesn't always give us what we ask for because he knows what is best for us and is often protecting us. Like little children, we don't always know what is best for us. Number two, when we do ask, we need to think bigger. Number three, God loves to give us good gifts. In fact, the best gift possible, which is himself. We don't have a God of second best. And number four, because God has given to us so generously, we are to give to one another in the same spirit. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, um, we are so thankful so grateful that you are a god of wonderful good gifts lord it's your desire to bless us with good gifts for you to give us the very best gifts you can which is yourself and lord we thank you and give you thanks and praise that you did that when you sent your son jesus to come down to be one of us and to die on the cross for us lord you gave us the most precious most valuable gift you possibly could and so lord i just pray for all of us who are listening today lord that we in our hearts would know that you are a good, loving, kind and compassionate and generous, extravagant God who loves us and desires to bless us. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in that knowledge and also in the same spirit bless those around us, that we would bless our family and our friends and our work colleagues and all those we interact with, that they might see the love of Christ in us and feel it towards themselves. And so we thank you, Lord. We praise you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord.